This episode of Hustle and Pro is brought to you by I9 Sports. I9 Sports provides a youth sports experience that teaches the importance of good sportsmanship on the field and in life in a convenient one day a week schedule. I9 is open to all kids and all skill levels ages 3 to 14 in flag football, soccer, baseball, basketball, volleyball, and lacrosse. I9 Sports is the way youth sports should be. Find a youth sports program near you at i9sports.com. That is the letter I, the number nine, sports.com. This is Hustle and Pro with Kelly Walker. Join Kelly as she talks sports with players, coaches, organizers, and entrepreneurs from BWE League to Pro. Now here's your host, Kelly Walker. Welcome to Hustle and Pro. We have some powerful people talking to us today. Welcome to the Hustle and Pro Show, Mike and Sharon King. Before we tell your story, I want to know a few fast favorite facts about you guys. Um, so we have both of you here, so you can both answer or you can each take one however you choose. So who's your favorite all-time athlete? I might get myself in trouble because I'm originally from Pennsylvania and I am a Philadelphia <laughs> fan. Don't even say something about the Eagles. <laughs> so I've always... Uh, Enjoyed watching Harold Carmichael play. Awesome athlete, big, tall, wide receiver. Okay. Sharon, do you have an all-time favorite athlete you want to throw out there? Well, I'm a huge Cowboys fan. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. Yeah, football's interesting in our house. I bet. Um, and I grew up, well, I was in my 30s when the Cowboys, when Aikman and... Um, uh, Emmett. And Emmett, and yeah, so those would be my favorites. I love those guys, yeah, too. Yeah, that was a great time for the I, Cowboys. I feel like I know the answer to this next one, then. What's the, your favorite sport to watch? Oh, definitely football. 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 Now, this might be a loaded question because what you're going to tell us later, but what's the farthest distance you've ever traveled to watch <laughs> sports or to, to act, um, participate in sports yourself? Well, other, I mean, I did that super long trip, which I was able to stop at some of the ballparks and watch some ball games, got to meet players. But the furthest I intentionally traveled to uh, do a sport would probably be Japan for the Oida Marathon. Wow. Okay, what's the Oida Marathon? Like, o- Oida that? Marathon is the, well, back when I did it in 92, it was the largest wheelchair uh, racing event in, uh, in the world. Wow. Fantastic. Okay. Do you have a different answer or were you also there? No, no, that <laughs> predates me. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I'm not as sporty as Mike is, um, but I did do love biking. And in Colorado, when I lived there, I did the MS-150 from Loveland to Estes Park. So that isn't as far as he went, but it was on a bicycle and a lot of it was uphill. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Okay, now I'm curious, Mike, um, so growing up, what, what did that look like for you as, as far as what kind of a sports kid were you? What did you do? What sports did you play when you were younger? Uh, sports was a big part of our family, mainly because my dad was an avid uh, baseball player. He, other than work, um, lived for playing softball or baseball. And, of course, he taught us kids that. Um, I have four brothers, so we almost had a, a full team in the backyard uh, after the work was done. Growing up on a dairy farm, we were always out playing ball. 
uh, doing something like that. And Dad also had a lot of other sports he loved, uh, ice hockey and and basketball. So anytime he was playing those sports, uh, we were long watching. And as we grew up, we were playing them also. So we're going to talk about a lot about your organization that you guys are here um, with, Powered to Move. But I think in order to understand where you are today and and what Powered to Move is, let's take a step back and talk about where you've been. So you've had a life-altering accident that no doubtedly changed probably every aspect of your life. So what do you want to tell us about that? Back in 1978, I was 20 years old and was off on the uh, trip of a lifetime for me at that time, I guess you could say. Um, myself and three of my good high school friends, we were heading to the West Coast on our motorcycles. Got as far as Banff National Park in Alberta, Canada, and I was traveling up the road and in a line of traffic. There was a car passing that whole line of traffic. It was a two-lane road. Uh, there was traffic coming toward him. He saw the opening but didn't see me, and as he ducked into that opening, he clipped my front end of the motorcycle, and that's the last thing I can remember. Uh, then waking up in the hospital roughly 24 hours later. But the uh, injuries I sustained were, uh, the permanent injury was a broken back, severed spinal cord, which left me paralyzed from the waist down. And naturally that changed my, I guess, whole outlook on life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Being a very active person, uh, loving sports, I thought life was over. Of course, back in 78, um, there was not a whole lot in wheelchair sports available at that time, like there is today. So I thought people were going to have to take care of me the rest of my life, and sports was over. Mm-hmm. So now fast forward to today. I mean, obviously you've, you've come a long way, so tell us what kind of athlete are you now? I'm a wheelchair athlete. Um, it doesn't make anything different as far as my love for sports, uh, my love in athletic endeavors, challenging myself, pushing myself to the limits. But it does kind of, um, if you want to use the word limit in what sports you can actually play, if you look at them like they used to be. Um, but as far as the technology that has come into um equipment Mm -hmm. for people with disabilities. I mean, you can snow ski, you can play basketball with the specialized chairs, you can race in track and field or road race competitions with the racing wheelchairs. Um, You can do cycling events uh, with the hand cycles that we have today. And even the field implements in track and field, there's specialized equipment for throwing javelin, discus, uh, shot put, Naturally, wow. naturally, you can't do the hurdles um, because we're on wheels. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, pretty much you can adapt any sport. I mean, there, there's people that play soccer. You kind of play football, um, what's called quad rugby, which is similar to the, the rules of football, uh, although it's played on a tennis court or a basketball court. To be able to be mobile. So, yes. like you said, the limitations have just narrowed, right? Less and less and less as technology and equipment and gear becomes more readily available. Yeah, absolutely. And that's part of part of what we're going to talk about with Powered to Move is that you're getting those things in more people's hands, right? So that they can do more. Yep, absolutely. So I want to know, this show, it's called Hustle and Pro, right? So I want to know how in the world did you manage to conquer the hustle part 
um, of your accomplishments with probably some really dark times in your life that you did not feel like hustling to get to get where you are now? A lot of it was, you know, the encouragement from friends. Um, one thing I've benefited from is the good friends I made in high school. And just to give an example of, of the kind of support I had from family um, and the people in my home community, the hospital that I did my rehab at and my rehab stint was about two and a half months, was about 60 miles from my home area, uh, about 30, 30 miles from the high school that I attended back in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And there wasn't one day in that two and a half month period that I didn't have a friend, a family member, a relative, someone from my church come visit me. Wow, even down the stretch. Because at the beginning is normal, right? You have a yeah, flood of people, yeah. but then month two, you know, sure. week seven, eight, there were still people coming in Absolutely. there to support you yeah. and spend time with you. And, you know, it wasn't just like a, a trip down the, uh, around the block to go visit um, it took time out of mm-hmm. their day because they had that travel time and then spending time with me. And the funniest thing about it, as I look back on it, um, I was in very good company to be around at that time because I was struggling mm-hmm. uh, emotionally with the the fact of, of realizing I wasn't walking again. I wasn't running. Uh, cross country was my high school sport. Uh, I loved running and it just snow skiing was my favorite sport. Um, and I loved doing that, and all I could think about were the things that I couldn't do. Right. That's probably, you know, initially that's all you focused on probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, but those people kept coming back and showing me, and I think that love and that care that they portrayed to me uh, eventually brought me through that that emotional struggle, and it changed my attitude to let's look at what I can do instead of what I what I can't do. How much time passed between the accident and when that that changed? With the how, what can I go do? What do you think? Um, it was probably a good five six months. The big change came uh, exactly one year later, and. You talk about coincidences happening in life. Um, music was a big part of, of my growing up as well, and I sang with a touring um, small chorus. And we were on a trip through the national parks of the U.S. that following summer after my accident. I sang with that group before my accident, and the, the director let me know he wanted me to, to stay in the group, even though I was um, using a wheelchair to get around after that, which you know, it wasn't a, a big deal. But as ironic as this sounds, or again, coincidence, uh, he scheduled a program in the National Park of Banff um, in Alberta and at the church in the city of Calgary uh, with the pastor there who took my family in, my friends that were on the cycle trip with me uh, and took care of them during my hospital stay in Canada uh, before I was flown back to, to Pennsylvania for my rehab. Mm-hmm. And that evening, or the day before our program was actually August 13th, 1979, one year later uh, from the day of my accident. Same, same, same day, day, same place. Same, same place. Area. We were driving down the highway on our way to the city of Calgary, and another accident happened <gasps> close to where oh, mine was. I have was. chills, have chill bumps. And naturally, the, the small group of us in the van, everyone just got mm-hmm. deathly quiet mm-hmm. because they all realized it was August 13th, only one year later. 
And that evening, staying with uh, my good friend who was with me on the motorcycle trip, also in the music group, we were talking about the year and how I was doing, working through all of the details and what I thought about um, life in general and just questions that two teenage guys would be talking about or two young guys um, in life. And we came to the realization that my life was spared for a purpose. Uh, I believe God spared my life the year before in that accident, although I had no idea at that time what the purpose was. Um, I can look back today and know that answer with everything that I've been doing and what's going on in my life. But at that time, it was a turning point for me in realizing that my life was spared for a purpose. It didn't matter being in a wheelchair. I was going to make something of my life. Made a decision. Yeah. And, you know, thank the good Lord. Um, I'm a believer in, in God. Um, and I believe that he's the one that pulled me through that difficult time and that struggle, uh, in my life back then and has led me and guided me to where I am today. Um, whether it's meeting my lovely wife, Sharon, um, all the activities that I participated Mm -hmm. in people I've met along the way that gave me the, the kick or the encouragement that I needed to go this direction or that direction. And it's just neat to look back on all of that and Mm -hmm. see that kind of guidance. And all the people that have heard your story who are probably in your situation at some point or could be in the future and think of you and draw inspiration from your strength and that gives them strength. So, yeah. yeah. So through that journey, right. um, Powered to move was born. So tell us about what Powered to Move is, who it's for, and what you guys are doing. I'm going to let Sharon start out okay. with that. <laughs> well, I'd go back a little bit, <clears throat> excuse me, um, in 1985, Mike did a wheelchair trip where he pushed his wheelchair from Fairbanks, Alaska to Washington, D.C. Yeah, we skipped that whole thing. We can go back and tell that story. I, that's a big thing we didn't even talk about that I meant to. Okay, so you want to tell that story then? Well, he, he, I can give the general. He, he um, came, he had started traveling again, and this all is before my time, but it's kind of the genesis of how Powered to Move started. Okay. Um, he had started traveling, and things weren't holding him back. He, were, he wasn't seeing limitations. He was seeing what he could do, mm-hmm. and his dad just asked him, what are you going to do next? And he just said, it popped out of his mouth. I'm going to push my wheelchair across the United States. And then he found out that somebody had already done that from California to the East Coast. And so he came up with this crazy idea to push his wheelchair from Fairbanks, Alaska to Washington, D.C. And I always get the mileage a little 56, 5,600 and. 5.8. 5.8 miles. 5,605 miles, 5.8 8 miles. Yeah. I butchered that, too. <laughs> That's a lot. Either way, it's a long, lot of miles, long way. And just during that trip, he was, he was so impacted by the care that he got from the rehab. So he was raising money for different rehabs and stopping along the way and helping people. And so I think that's where he left that trip, really not just focusing on what he wanted to do, 
um, with sports and fitness, but how he could impact other people's lives um, with that. And we got married about uh, a little over 10 years ago. Um, we both like biking. It was kind of a shared. So I ride my bike. He rides his hand cycle. And um, we moved from Pennsylvania to Texas and we're talking about how we wanted to serve people and how we wanted to help people. And one of the things that we had seen was people um, with disabilities intellectually, didn't touch on that yet, mm -hmm. and physically kind of on the sidelines. And I remember distinctly a woman asking me about Mike and her husband had um, become paralyzed the year before. And she was, you know, asking me if he travels, he, you know, he does all this stuff independently. And, and she just wanted to know more and wanted him to be more active. And I think that kind of, we talked about it on the way home from where we were at. And that kind of sparked this um, idea to start a program that helped people with disabilities uh, become physically active. Our mission statement is putting Christ's love in action by providing fitness opportunities to people with disabilities. And so we, um, we try and help them overcome whatever obstacle might be in their way for whatever it is that they're interested in. Okay. So that, that spans from being a resource, like people, like you said, um, mm -hmm. the lady who, who needed answers about mm -hmm. what, what have you guys seen in your life that maybe she could pull from that for her husband. Um, and then I love some of the things that you guys offer program-wise, like being a wingman. And then mm -hmm. um, some of the adaptive fitness programs that you have and, and the hands like cycling races. So I need to learn a little bit about all of those things. First thing's probably the easiest. Pardon me for not knowing this, but what's the difference in a, like a wheelchair race and a hand cycling race? A wheelchair race, you're in a, a racing chair that is propelled just like an everyday wheelchair. You're pushing on the wheel with your hands. Mm -hmm. Uh, a hand cycling event is basically a three-wheeled bicycle. Uh, it's got 27 speeds or 30 speeds, or I even think they make a 32-speed now. Um, it has the gearing system. Your cranks, just like you're pedaling a bike with your legs, we're cranking it and pedaling it with our arms. And we have the shifter lever right there on the, on the, the handle bars that we're pedaling. Uh, so you're clicking through the gears gives you the benefit for climbing a hill. Okay. Um, you Sounds know, just like a bicycle does as compared to a runner running a race, which is compared to the wheelchair racing, um, your arm strength doesn't have any gear mechanism. You're pushing on the push rim. So if you're climbing a hill, just like a runner has to work harder to run gear. the hill, yeah. um, we have to push harder with our arms and you're really grinding it out sometimes. Yeah. Sounds fast. Does mm -hmm. it It is fast, fast, especially downhill. Sure. <laughs> How fast is fast? Um, believe it or not, I've had my racing wheelchair uh, clocked at 60 mile an hour. Wow. But I should explain that story. Uh, it was with the help of some 18 wheelers <laughs> that were passing me on a downhill. Oh, were you like drifting? Or and I got caught in their wind draft. Wow. And I was afraid to let go of my steering to apply brakes because of how the chair was reacting. But normally, with my body weight and the, the racing chairs, 40, 45 mile an hour is usually your top speed that, on a downhill. That's fast. Which is fast. 
fast. That's a little scary. Sounds a little <laughs> dangerous. But it that's awesome. I bet those races are um, pretty exciting. So the hand cycling races is one of the things that you guys participate in. Do you facilitate the races for the participants, or uh, like so? What what part of a cycling race is powered to move? You know, in? we we facilitate the race for the the hand cyclists in our group that or contacts that we have that come out to it. But we join up with um, the local events, uh, whether it's local here in Dallas or whether it's up in Oklahoma mm-hmm. or, or Kansas. We've done some races there. There's races all over the U.S. like that. Um, for example, tomorrow we're riding in the Emmett Smith um, oh, yeah. Fondo, yeah. Grand mm-hmm. Fondo. Uh, there's three of us, two of the, the athletes that I've met here and got riding in hand cycles are coming to to join me, and we're going to do the 22-miler. Wow. Um, Sharon, have you gotten to meet Emmett? <laughs> no, I wish we could. <laughs> Try to. I tell him that. Okay. Well, yeah. him and his wife are, I mean, that's his, you know, he loves that event. He's, is it here mm-hmm. again in um, the ballpark? It, it's it's not in Frisco oh, this moved. year. Okay. They moved it to... Uh, uh, to Parker okay. at South Fork Ranch. But him and his wife, they're super accessible sometimes at those events, and they're so sweet. I got to be a part of that event, gosh, probably two years ago mm. now, and got to meet Emmett. And oh, wow. Fun. So I'll be crossing my fingers that you get to, to meet him and say hello, since he's one of your favorites that we found out today. <laughs> so then, um, Sharon, tell me about what the Wingman program is then um, and the adaptive fitness programs. Okay. Um, Well, the Wingman program helps um, people with physical disabilities or physical and intellectual disabilities take part in 5K races or longer. We've done half marathons, haven't done a marathon yet. Um, We hope to do that and and maybe even a mini try next year. Um, But what that, how that looks is we have what's called an adapted running jogger or a push chair. And so the person with the disability is the rider, they're in the chair. And then we use a team of able-bodied runners to push them through the race. So we usually do a two- or a three-man team, depending on the length of the race. Um, And it's great because when we started the program, uh, one of our wingmen said it took a sport like running that's very solo, and it allowed her to, to give to somebody else. It gives them that experience. And one of our athletes, our assisted athletes, is what we call the riders. Mm-hmm. Myra has uh, cerebral palsy. She's in her 30s. She's typical intelligence. And she told us that when she's doing a race, when she's uh, being pushed through a, a race, it kind of feels like she doesn't have that disability anymore. And she and her buddy, Bradley, who is also one of our assisted athletes, they get very competitive and they're pushing their wingman to go faster and they get to fly through the finish line. That's and it's just awesome. a great time. That's a good, probably very empowering, you know, partnership to mm-hmm. form with each other and mm-hmm. kind of compete and have fun and mm-hmm. push each other. Yeah. S- yeah. Literally. And, you know, <laughs> just competitively. Yeah, yeah. So the wingman, um, you know, it sounds like what you just described, the runner or team of runners, depending on how long the race is or whatever, probably needs to be an experienced runner. Um, You said that there might be in a situation where it's like there's an intellectual disability and you need a a wingman, right? Is that something that not very experienced runners can participate in? Yes, we have wingman walkers and um, somebody who is not as an experienced runner, like you said, can be a buddy to somebody with an intellectual disability who's doing walking the 5K or walking in the fun run. 
um, for the doing the push chairs, um, you should have some experience doing a 5K sure. um, yeah. or longer, but... <laughs> You got to be able to get through it. <laughs> but we don't look for runners that are super fast, or you know, you don't have to be an Ironman. Although we do have some of those. Um, Our friend Jarrell, right? Jarrell. <laughs> yes, Jarrell, and um, we've got a couple brothers that have done some Ironman. But we also we have the gamut. Um, my sister just pushed in her first five k, and and she's that's she, that was her first ever race too. Oh, wow. She's a a regular runner, mm-hmm. um, you know, three, four miles, four or five times a week. So, and she's not, you know, super fast. Sorry, Kelly. <laughs> My sister's Kelly. Oh, her too. name's Kelly. Um, so we, we run the gamut mm-hmm. of, um, yeah. That's good to know. I mean, I did not know that that, that was a volunteer opportunity. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming it's just volunteers that come find you that want to be a wingman, right? Absolutely. In that program. And we probably, the best exposure we get is just being at races. We love the Big Star um, here in Frisco. We've done that for four years, three, Mm -hmm. four years. Um, It's a great race. They welcome our folks with open arms. And after a race, we always get emails from folks, runners that want to learn more about the Wingman program. What age are you looking for? Like, how young can a can a helper be? We say 16. Okay. And the reason that we say that is because, for example, Myra is an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we don't want children um, uh, push younger than 16. And usually at 16, we, we definitely have some adults paired with them. Sure. Um, we just did the Dick Hoyt um, Yes You Can race uh, last weekend. And um, he's the one, Dick and Rick Hoyt inspired this kind of racing. They've done the Boston Marathon, They've and he's done it by himself with wow. his son. Yes. They've done yes. um, uh, Kona, the Ironman um, competitions. Um, so, but And we had some high schoolers pushing, and they were fast. <laughs> they were really I, fast. I bet. Yeah. Got some good high school <laughs> runners and athletes around here. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the adaptive fitness program, that's something different than the wingman program, right? Can you tell us about that? Yeah, it it kind of, the need came out of the other two programs, the hand cycling program and the wingman program, and folks asking us, what else can I do? It's really difficult for um, folks with disabilities to figure out how to stay active and fit um, throughout the week. Um, and so they were just asking Mike and myself what other things that they could do, and so we just looked at what their barriers were. It was architectural, financial, financial, usually transportation, and finding people who are knowledgeable and training or doing fitness with people with disabilities. Um, and so we tried to overcome those four areas. And we took, we take um, different types of ways of staying act- active, and we just adapt them. We do adapted boot camps in four programs that serve folks with intellectual disabilities, um, we do adapted dance. Um, we're just getting ready in October. If anybody's interested, we have an adapted uh, hip hop class that's going to start and an adapted drumming class. It's a great format called Drumba. And um, we just took that format and adapted it for our folks. Um, so we do adapted kickboxing. 
And we're right now, we're, we're working on an adapted CrossFit class. Wow. Um, yeah. That's a lot of programs, a lot of things going yeah, on. Yeah, they don't and run consistent. We have, they'll run for four mm -hmm. or five sessions. And, and so we're, we, we try and have something going most of the months throughout the year. Sounds like it's quite a community that mm -hmm. you guys have built and gathered. And some of those things are probably very life changing for people that need support, need a community of people around them to just be there and give them these alternate ways to move and be active. It is, it can be extremely life-changing. We have, um, we also do one-on-one -on -one training um, for folks with disabilities um, and we'll work with trainers in that person's area. And I'll just share a quick story with you. This one gentleman named Jimmy, who we met, who um, has cerebral palsy and typical intelligence had ended up in a wheelchair. He used to use canes and he just said he became more sedentary and more sedentary and um, was staying at home, you know, couldn't drive anymore. And so he said he had tried to work out, but he didn't know what to do. And he'd approached some gyms that were a little anxious about working with him. Mm -hmm. And so I said, let us try and work something out with you. We found a gym in his area, found a trainer in his area, kind of put him through our program and the trainer started working with him. And um, what we didn't know when he started this program is that he had been in so much pain in his shoulders that he was probably going to have shoulder surgery. And after a few weeks with this trainer, he went to his doctor and she asked him what his pain level was like. And he said, you know, it's, it's, kind of down to a two or a three and it had wow. been a 10 and he'd been on all this pain medicine. Oh, and she said, let's just keep going before we talk any more about surgery. Let's see how this training does um, for you. And so at the end of the 24 sessions that we had provided him with this trainer, um, not only did he not have surgery, he was off the pain medicine he was out driving again, and he's funny. He has a bald head. He said, I can actually lift my arm and shave my own head now. His wife had been doing that for him. But that's so, an everyday thing that made a huge difference. That, and you know, just to be yeah. able to drive and be independent again. Yeah. So it, it can it be him very life-changing. Yeah, yeah, he got a lot back. Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned how, I mean, the, the section you just described about him realizing he's not active anymore, and how do you even, like, you can kind of get in a funk where you're like, what do I do at the gym? That describes able-bodied people sometimes <laughs> too, and there's no really good excuse for it, right? But that can be hard. That's a sometimes a hump you have to figure out how to get over. And then on top of that with a, mm -hmm. a physical limitation like that. So I could see how you need somebody to help. Mm -hmm. Just help tell you, hey, I know a person that can, you know, it's worth a shot. Yeah. They might be able to help you. The biggest thing is figuring out, um, you know, from a wheelchair, being a wheelchair user is how to use the equipment. And that's what the individual trainer that we paired up with, with Jimmy in that example, helped him with mm. showing him how to use the equipment and how to adapt any movement that he needs to do. And, and that's oh, okay. the biggest thing is being able to think outside the box because naturally a lot of the gym equipment uh, isn't designed for a person in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. So how do I get on? Yeah. Uh, can I work out from my wheelchair? And that's the kind of things you have to figure out. And what a big part of Power to Move does when we hook them up with uh, an individual trainer is just working with them and helping them make the, those adaptations that they can learn to to strengthen themselves mm -hmm. and 
go on with their life and live a yeah. good lifestyle. I and, love that. And the trainer, we so that continues on, we the trainer provides them with what we call an exit plan. So this doesn't end up just being 24 sessions and then everything goes back to the way it was before. So the trainer starts working with that person towards the end of their sessions on this is how you're going to carry it forward mm-hmm. on your own. The and we'll help yeah. with some small ticket items if they need. Jimmy needed some things to be able to grab the cable machines and things like mm-hmm. that. So we'll help um, with the trainer's um, insight what do they need to continue um, okay. carrying it forward? So those things cost money, right? So I'm, I'm guessing um, donations are critical for you guys to be able to provide some of these resources to people. So um, when, when, you know, we send people to poweredtomove.org, right? And there's probably some obvious ways to be able to help out and donate right there on your site, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there anything specifically besides, you know, monetary donations that you ask for people to donate, or is it is is money good? Um, money is is probably yeah is good. Um, I would mention right now we are in the middle of a matching gift campaign. Um, we had a very generous donor gave us a twenty five thousand dollar matching gift challenge that we're trying to meet by the end of October. And we only have about $5,000 left to raise. Okay. And it all goes to the Adapted Fitness Program because that is where we found, that program has kind of exploded. We found the most need there. And those things cost the most probably to get some of those things done. Doing the classes and yeah. um, So you want individual training in the classes and equipment, yeah. So through October, your money goes a lot lot farther. It'll get, you know, if you donate through October so that it gets matched in your program. Right. Yep. Fantastic. I hope everybody out there goes and checks out (laughs) poweredtomove.org so you can consider donating and making, um, making a difference for these for people um, that are affected by Powered to Move. So, Mike and Sharon, thank you so much for coming here and telling your story. I learned a lot from you guys today, and I love it. It's a great inspirational story, and thank you for helping so many people. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you.